Well, today we're in a series called Experiencing God. Um, and I want to start off just by telling you a couple of, uh, of examples and see, see how you relate. For example, Carl is upset that his wife constantly comes home late almost every evening from work. He's upset about it, and, and he even kind of gives her the cold shoulder about it, but he doesn't really address it. He doesn't, doesn't really talk to her about how upset he is that she's constantly coming home late from work. Why is that? Pam disapproves of how her co-workers, especially at lunchtime, sit around the table and slander her boss. They, they gossip and they slander and just talk all kinds of negativity, and she disagrees with them, but she does not speak up. She, she even nods her head like she's agreeing with what they're saying. Bob is deeply offended by some remarks that his friend has made. But he says nothing to his friend. And so Bob has carried this grudge for months now. And his friend isn't even aware that he's so upset and is carrying this grudge. He, he does talk to some other people about it and kind of badmouths his friend behind his back. But he doesn't go directly to his friend and say, hey, we have an issue. We have something we need to talk about. Sharon has a boyfriend and she thinks her boyfriend is very irresponsible, so irresponsible in so many ways. But she feels badly for him. He's had so many things go wrong and go bad in his life that, that she doesn't want to break up with him right now because that would just be one more bad thing in his life. How could she have this, this tough conversation with him? So she backs down from telling him the truth about their relationship and the things that he's doing that's just killing their relationship. As you think through these scenarios, what's the common denominator here? You have people claiming to be doing what they're doing in the name of peace. And as Christians, oftentimes, we are, I know I'm supposed to be a peacemaker, so, oh, we won't bring this up. Oh, we won't say anything. And what I want us to realize today that in these kinds of scenarios, the truth is they are not really being peacemakers. They are wimps. Can we just say that right out of the gate? Oftentimes, in the name of being peacemakers, we're not really peacemakers. We are wimps. You see, true peace will never come through pretending what is wrong is right. True peace and true peacemakers love God, love others, and love themselves enough to disrupt the false peace in the hopes of achieving true peace. Let's talk about how to be peacemakers and not wimps. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're in a nine-week series now, and we're well into it, and every Sunday for this whole series, we're looking at the same text. Galatians 5, especially verses 22 and 23, but I've been beginning generally in verse 13 and reading all the way down to verse 26 so that we get the whole flow and the context of, of what's going on, and I've been reading it in different translations, and today I want to read it to you in the Living Bible Paraphrase. Last Sunday, I believe we read it in the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is uh, quite a literal translation. Today, 
I want to read it from the Living Bible. By the way, the Living Bible was like my Bible growing up. When I was a teenager, I read the Bible through several times uh, in, in, in the Living Bible paraphrase. And so I still have my old Bible and a lot of marks in it, even from when I was a teenager. Yes, that was back in the dark ages, okay? So uh, verse 13, Galatians 5. 13. In fact, I suspect a lot of you don't have, in fact, I don't think the Living Bible paraphrase is even on you version if you're looking for it right now or whatever app. So if you don't have the Living Bible paraphrase on you right now, that's okay. I encourage you, if you don't have it, rather than trying to follow your translation and this one and, and, and trying to compare and contrast instantly, maybe just put your Bible down right now and just listen, okay? And just listen. In fact, I encourage you, just listen. Don't, don't worry about reading it. Let me read it to you, and, and I want you to just listen, and I want you to have this attitude of, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me right now? God, I open up to you. Pastor Greg's going to read the word to you right now, to me right now, and so, Lord, what are you saying to me? Okay? So with that attitude, listen. For, dear brothers, you have been given freedom. Not freedom to do wrong, but freedom to love and serve each other. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love others as you love yourself. But if instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always critical and catty, watch out, beware of ruining each other. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to. For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And the good things we want to do when the Spirit has His way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us. And our wishes are never free from their pressures. When you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you need no longer force yourself to obey Jewish laws. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is, encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group, and there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here there is no conflict with Jewish laws. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross and crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Then we won't need to look for honors and popularity, which lead to jealousy 
and hard feelings. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? We are learning that the fruit of the Spirit, we're learning that spiritual health includes emotional health. There's a strong emotional component to the fruit of the Spirit here. As the Holy Spirit does His work in you and in me, our emotions get healthier and our relationships improve. We become more functional and less dysfunctional. Now, I have to tell you right off the top, there's so much here to cover that I want to take two sermons on this, this same topic today. So we're, we're talking about how to be peacemakers. And we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, peace and kindness and gentleness. And today we're going to talk especially about forgiveness what it is and what it is not. Because oftentimes we use verses like these, well, I have to be a peacemaker. It's about peace. It's about kindness. It's about gentleness. And so oftentimes we use these kinds of verses to uh, uh, let other people run over us or maybe bully us or, or we don't lean into, or like the examples at the beginning, we don't lean into and have that crucial conversation that we really have. So today we're going to talk about what forgiveness is and what it is not. And then two Sundays from now, we're going to come back to this and we're going to talk about conflict resolution and how to have that crucial conversation. And when something really dysfunctional and emotionally unhealthy is going on in a relationship, how can you address it? How can you speak into that in, in a good and healthy way? So sound good? Today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And two Sundays from now, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up uh, where we leave off today. I say two Sundays because next Sunday, Greg Martin is going to speak. Hopefully, he gets back from the Carolinas on his, on his mission trips down there. And uh, he's, going to, he's going to speak next Sunday on the fruit of the Spirit of patience. On patience. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And the title next Sunday is Give Me Patience Now. So... I gave Greg that one because I, I, don't have, I don't have the patience for that kind of thing. So, so let, let, let's jump in. Let, let's jump in. Let, let, let's admit it. You and I, in, oftentimes in the name of being peacemakers, we tend to be wimps. Very few of us are actually good at conflict resolution and, and uh, leaning into having that hard conversation and trying to resolve things. So let's talk about how to be a real peacemaker rather than a wimp. We take verses like Galatians 5.22. We take like Jesus' words in Matthew 5.9 where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. We take verses like these and we say, okay, I, want, I, I have to be a peacemaker. I don't want to confront. I, I, so I'm not going to share how I really feel. I feel that my duty as a Christian is to, you know, just kind of, don't rock the boat, sweep things under the rug, let's pretend everything is okay. Peter Schizero, a book that I've been recommending to you, his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says that spiritualizing away conflict is one of the top ten dysfunctions that we have. In his book, he lists the top ten emotional dysfunctions, and this is one of them, spiritualizing away conflict. So what happens is we go through life, experiencing the pain of unresolved conflicts and holding on to all kinds of bad feelings, 
For example, we say one thing to people's faces and then another behind their backs. We make promises that we have no intention of keeping because we don't have the courage just to say no right up front. We give in because we're afraid of not being liked. We tell only half the truth because we don't want to hurt them. We hold grudges and we we hold on to bitterness. And rather than resolving conflicts in a healthy way, speaking the truth in love, we, we, we might blow up. We get defensive. So we, we, we clam up, we say nothing, and then when we start to speak, we blow up and get all defensive and angry. Or we run over people and hurt people. So today and two Sundays from now, we're, we're going to talk about this whole category of, of healthy emotions, healthy relationships, crucial conversation. And right now, it's about forgiveness because I think this is huge. We, we don't really understand well what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So if you have an outline, and we'll put it up on the screen here, uh, I have, I believe it's five, if I remember right, five key points of what forgiveness is and what it is not. Number one, forgiveness is always required by God. If you're following Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, and you, you, you're following God, God always tells us we must forgive others. Always. Everybody. There are so many scriptures on this. Luke 17, 4. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So we must forgive people. You say, but, but Greg, what if, what if they don't repent? But Greg, what if they, what they did was really, really bad? I know there's all kinds of questions here. So let, let's keep unpacking this. But let's, foundational, forgiveness is always required by God. Number two, it is not the same as reconciliation. This is huge. I think many of us confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. They are not necessarily the same. We are always required to forgive, but it is not the same as reconciliation. Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. In other words, don't try to get back at them. You know, don't be revengeful. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Notice, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We're talking about being peacemakers here, right? We're talking about having healthy relationships. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes it's not. Maybe someone has wronged you, and they don't think they've wronged you. Or maybe the person who has wronged you is, has now died, and you, you had a falling out with them, and then they died. And, and so now you can't be reconciled to them, but you can still forgive them. See, maybe you have a friend or a family member who is just toxic. They're dysfunctional, they're manipulative, and they don't see how they've hurt you or they don't want to admit it, and you have tried to work things out with them, you have approached them maybe more than once, and, and they have responded poorly every time, you can forgive them in the sense that you don't hold on to bitterness and rage and anger towards them. 
You're not wanting to hurt them or harm them, so you forgive them, but you still have to set healthy boundaries to protect yourself from their toxic behavior. We're going to talk about boundaries next time. You see, forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness takes one. You, you always must forgive. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of that anger towards them. Because God doesn't want you having all that emotionally unhealthy stuff going on inside of you. You've got to forgive. But it does not necessarily mean reconciliation because reconciliation requires two. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we've got to be clear on the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Hopefully one can lead to the other, but not always. The third thing, forgiveness is releasing the bitterness in your heart. That's what forgiveness is. It's releasing that bitterness in your heart. It's where you stop wishing harm against them. Forgiveness does not excuse their behavior. When you forgive someone, you are not approving of what they did. To forgive someone means you're releasing that bitterness in your own heart. You, you are giving up your so-called right to hurt them. You let it go. You're not out for revenge. In fact, you're going to pray for them. You're going to wish them well. Let, let's say, for example, you find out that your best friend has had an affair with your wife. Whew, pretty tough situation, right? Must you forgive him? Must you forgive her? <laughs> yes. God wants you to release that bitterness and that anger and that hurt. And he wants you to, to release it and let that go where you're not trying to hurt them and harm them. Of course, that will take time. That will take lots of prayer. That will take some scripture reading and prayer and conversation, and it will take time. But it will do you no good to hold on to that anger and that bitterness. It will be like poison in your body making you sick. But does that mean that you and your best friend will stay best friends? Probably not. It, it, it'll be fine for you in that scenario to say, hey, friend, I wish you well. God bless you. But we can't really be best friends anymore. I'm not having you over for lunch every Sunday. Sorry. Jesus said you may not even be reconciled to your wife. Remember what he said about divorce, marriage and divorce? This is the one situation, he says, where, where you may not even be able to be reconciled to your spouse. It may end up in divorce because of such a thing. So you see, forgiveness has to do with emotional health. Even if you can't have peace with them, even though you're trying and you harbor no ill will towards them, you can't ultimately be reconciled with them. You can have peace in your heart. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation takes two. Jesus said in Luke 11, even in the Lord's prayer, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Ephesians 4.31, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know what malice is? It's where you wish harm towards somebody. You would just love to hear some bad news about them and go, ha, ha, good for them. He said, let, let it go. You don't, don't have malice toward people like that. That is unhealthy, and it's sin. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So do you see how spiritual health includes emotional health? God does not want you to be filled with these emotions of anger and bitterness and malice. He wants you to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Number four, reconciliation requires repentance. We're, we're to forgive everybody, release that bitterness, and it may or may not, and hopefully we're as peacemakers, we're trying to bring reconciliation, do everything we can, but sometimes it's just not possible because reconciliation requires repentance. If you and someone are on the outs, for reconciliation to take place, one or both of you need to repent. To repent means to change. To repent means to admit you, you are wrong and you say, I'm sorry, and I need to change. That's what repentance is. Remember, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness is about you letting go of your bitterness. Reconciliation requires repentance. One or both of you might have to say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I will change. You can offer reconciliation, but the other person has to own their behavior and humbly admit that they need to change. Think of Jesus. Jesus is our model here. Think of God. How, how does it work with God and Jesus? God offers the whole world forgiveness and reconciliation, right? That's the gospel message. It's a message of reconciliation. God, because Christ has paid the penalty for our sins, God has forgiven the whole world. And, but, but he's offering this, and he's saying, to receive my forgiveness and, and, and to, to, for us to be reconciled, you need to what? You need to repent. And so, even in God's case, reconciliation can only take place when people repent. And that means to admit you're a sinner and, and you've wronged God and, and you need his salvation. You need his forgiveness. You need his grace in your life. Let me give you five signs of genuine repentance and how this plays out in our own relationships. Five, uh, five I can't remember. There might be more than five. Anyway, uh, signs of genuine repentance. They accept full responsibility for their actions. See, when you truly repent, you, you have to accept Full responsibility for your action. No excuses, no spins. Well, you know, since you think I've done something wrong, I guess I'm kind of sorry. No, no, that, that, that's not repentance. Repentance is where you own it. You own it. You accept full responsibility for your actions. Number two, they welcome accountability from others. To repent means you humble yourself and you say, I want to change. I need to change. I'm sorry. I, I've done some wrong things, and I, I want to change that, and I want to make it right. Have you ever had a person try to guilt you into not only forgiving them but reconciling with them when you knew that they weren't very genuine about their repentance? And they were trying to guilt you and use the, you know, the Christian card against you. Well, some Christian you are. 
you're supposed to love me as I am. And they try to make you out to be the bad guy for suggesting that, that they need to change. We're, we're going to talk more about this next time when we talk about boundaries. But I love how Max Lucado puts it. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And so, so sometimes people will use this Christian card against you and say, well, you know, Jesus loves me just the way I am. You're supposed to love me just the way I am. And, and what they're doing is they're wanting you to accept and approve of their dysfunctional, toxic behavior. And, and they're trying to make you out to be the bad guy for speaking truth into their life and saying, no, what you're doing is wrong. And, and you need to admit that what you're doing is wrong and some things need to change here if our relationship is going to continue here. And they try to make you out to be the bad guy. We'll talk more about that next time. But true repentance is where you, you accept accountability from other people. Number three, they do not continue their harmful behavior. Number four, they do not dismiss or downplay the hurtful behavior. Number five, rather than resenting your doubts about their sincerity, they realize that trust is earned over time. This is a huge one. Because sometimes this, this person, they are unrepentant, really. They might even say, well, I said I was sorry. But you, you get the feeling from their attitude and actions that, that they're really unrepentant. And they resent you for wanting to confirm the genuineness of their repentance. And they, they, they again, they'll, they'll manipulate you. They'll say, well, I guess you just can't find it in yourself to be forgiving. Well, I guess I, I just figured that you would want to rub it in my face a little longer. Well, I, I guess I should expect you want your revenge. Well, some Christian you are. I thought Christians are supposed to be all about kindness and compassion and, and forgiveness. You see... What you, when you're truly repentant, you will say things like, not only I'm sorry, I know I hurt you, I behave poorly, but you will also say things like, and I know that it may take some time to earn the trust back because I've broken faith, I've broken trust with you. And I, maybe I've behaved in this way for such a long time that it's going to take a little time for you to really believe that that. I'm, I'm going to change. And I understand that. And then you, you humbly move forward with patience and kindness. Rather than resenting their doubts about whether you're really changing or not, you'll say, I understand that. And, and so let, let's just take time, and hopefully I can earn the trust back. You see, in every relationship, there's a certain amount of trust and when that trust is broken or emptied, it takes time to rebuild it. It cannot be instantly granted. And so forgiveness is, yes, I forgive you. Yes, I release my bitterness against you. But honestly, it's going to take a while for me to trust you the way I used to trust you. And that's okay. That's okay. And number six, they make restitution where necessary. They make restitution where necessary. If you've stolen something, you give it back. If you've damaged something, you pay it back. 
If you've gossiped about someone and you've damaged their reputation, you do what you can to restore their reputation. What I'm saying is, don't be manipulated by false repentance. Don't wimp out and think that forgiveness means you have to instantly hit the reset button and pretend that everything is healthy and fine in the relationship when in fact it's not. Forgiveness does not mean you allow someone to keep on hurting you or abusing you. Forgiveness means you deal with the bitterness and hatefulness and grudges and whatever you have going on inside of you. Forgiveness means you you come to where you truly love them in the sense that you want what's best for them. But without repentance, and this is number five, without repentance, you must forgive and set healthy boundaries. If they are not repentant, because remember, reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness takes one. You can forgive them regardless of what they do, regardless. But for to be reconciled, to have peace in your relationship, that takes two. And if they're not willing to repent and own up and admit and, and lean into it and, and, and work things out, if they're not willing to do that, you still have to forgive them, but you may have to set some healthy boundaries. And again, we'll talk about this, this more next time, but Jesus says in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, in other words, if they won't repent, if they don't admit and own up to it, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Whoa, <laughs> this is our Lord Jesus talking. What he's saying here is you've got to set some boundaries. I forgive you. I love you. I want what's best for you. But here are my boundaries. As long as you behave like this, here is how I am going to behave. Here are my I will not let you treat me like this. I will not let you treat me that way. No, I will not do that for you. And we'll talk about how to set proper boundaries. And in some cases, maybe more extreme cases, you'll have to say, until you are willing to engage and face some things here, we just can't see much of each other anymore. I would love to be reconciled with you, but until you admit some things that are very unhealthy in our relationship, I have to set some boundaries and we cannot be reconciled. Do you understand what forgiveness is and is not? We're going to pick this up next time. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you've been shocked by some of the things I've been saying. Maybe you thought that forgiveness always means reconciling. Maybe you thought being a Christian and being kind means that you do not confront and that you do not have boundaries. Maybe you're realizing that you've been using this Christian teaching of kindness and love and forgiveness as an excuse to just really be a wimp. And Jesus is wanting you to have some courage dealing with these dysfunctions in your relationships and in your own emotional life. And he wants you to get healthy. Are you holding any grudges? Are you bitter and hateful towards someone? 
Are you treating someone with disrespect? Even in your own home. Might be your spouse. Might be one of your children. God calls that sin. It's spiritually unhealthy and it's emotionally unhealthy. And if you're holding on to grudges and bitterness, you are allowing someone else to poison your life. And you need to deal with that. In a moment, we're, we're going to have a time of response where you can come to one of these altars up here and just kneel and have a time of prayer. It's simply a, a place to pray. It's not a place of judgment. And in fact, right now I ask uh, some of our prayer warriors, uh, Dennis and Wesley Wilson, Pastor Dan and Jeannie Jones, if they'd come up and they're going to stand behind the altars up here. And they'll be available to, to just pray with you if you would like them to. Maybe you want to pray about a relationship or a situation where you know you need to have a crucial conversation. You've been allowing some dysfunction to go on. And it frightens you to have to deal with it. And you need some wisdom. Whatever your need is this morning, feel free. Let's, let's use the next few moments to listen to what our Lord is saying. And to lean in to what he has for us. Father, we thank you for forgiving us. Help us to forgive others as you forgive us in Christ. Lord, we want to be emotionally and relationally healthy for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.